This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. Welcome to another Gangplank Report. You've heard Adrian and Jen talk about the most recent episode of this hit Bravo series. Now it's time to hear from you, the superfans. It's time for the bonus episode of the Gangplank Report. And here they are, Adrian Gang and Jennifer Bennington. Hey guys, welcome back to another special edition of Gangplank Report. This week we are chatting with Gina Ragusa, who is a reporter for Showbiz Cheat Sheet, and she always ends up with the best dirt and the best articles about Below Deck. I remember when I first found you, Gina, it wasn't my season, it was after, but I started really regularly following all of your stuff. And I think it's fascinating and you are such a good writer. And I love the fact that there's something that is good written content for Below Deck. So thank you. And I'm glad you're here. Thank you. Gosh. Well, I, I'm just a die happy person now. Thank you so much. I appreciate the intro and yeah, the show's so fascinating, right? I mean, we all can't stop watching. So that's true. (laughs) what got you into Below Deck? I think for a lot of us, we've all worked in the service industry, even if it's not on a boat. And I did that. I was working on Martha's Vineyard, serving rich people, famous people. You didn't really talk about them. So I really connected with what I saw from the service aspect. And then of course it just unfolded and it was a lot of fun. Nice. I totally get that. Mm-hmm. Having come from the service industry as well, I was on the travel agent side of it. So I was sending the rich people to places <laughs> <laughs> where you were catering to the rich people or Adrian was catering to the rich people. Yeah. Yeah. Very fun. <laughs> so getting into Below Deck itself, we've now gone through, we're coming up on season nine of Below Deck OG. We've got six seasons under our belt of Below Deck Mediterranean and two of Sailing Yacht. And now at this point, we've gotten to a place where there are groupies of the show and there are people that I never imagined when we started this project that it would morph into suburban house dads watching it and people that I never thought were the Bravo demographic that have gotten into Below Deck. I think a lot of that happened too during the pandemic when people were just kind of locked in and didn't have other options for entertainment, but I'm grateful for it. Have you found, at least across the broad spectrum of Bravo shows, that Below Deck has a more widely reaching audience than most of the shows on there? Oh, definitely. Like you were saying, my husband, he's a lawyer and he has a very serious job. And like tonight, he's like, don't tell me what's on Peacock. I'm watching it live. And then he gets on Twitter and, you know, so I think <laughs> and even my, my kids who are in their 20s, they're into it because they can identify with the kids working on the show. So yeah, I think more than Housewives and some of these other shows, I definitely think it appeals to far more different groups of people. Because even, you know, older people like myself, my older mother, she digs it. Like she knows everybody. So yeah, I think that's why this show has become so enduring as well. 
And I'd actually spoken with Colin Macy O'Toole once because sometimes we'll get on the phone and kick around some ideas and thoughts. And he nailed it when he said the housewives are fun, but you can only watch rich women going to dinner so many times. Exactly. Right. Where in what we do, the environment changes, the guests change. I feel like with the housewives, they have other characters that come in and out of the show, but it's mainly focused on whatever the main group of women is Mm -hmm. instead of a continually change cast, right? So below deck, there's always, I don't know, do they fire the housewives mid-season or are they there the whole time and you're stuck with them? I don't know the formula for the show, but you're generally stuck with them (laughs) the whole time. So there's no threat that they could be fired. (laughs) Only if they don't show up for something specific. The only one I know of that was fired for real was Adrian from Beverly Hills because she didn't show up to the reunion. Lisa Vanderpump walked off, but yeah, you're stuck with them sometimes for years beyond when you want to be stuck with them. So <laughs> so I guess that's what makes Below Deck different is that there's always a possibility that if somebody is really slagging off on their job or if they pose some kind of a safety or security risk that they could be gone. Right. right. And I think that's one of the other things that keeps people kind of tuned in is to see, and we see that very much. So with this current season of below deck med, everybody just waiting on the edge of their seat until Lexi got fired, you know, and I have to be honest and Gina, I'd love to hear your opinion on this, that I think the season just kind of did a downhill slide after that point, because that really was the apex of the season for me. Yeah, I think part of it is that we were constantly trying to catch our breath and keep up with, oh my gosh, what explosion's going to happen? Whereas I know in other seasons, like Sailing Yacht, there was all that that we're seeing now in Med. We're seeing a lot of this fun banter. I mean, poor Z has fallen over more than any person I've ever seen, ever. But, you know, <laughs> there's that comedy that you see in Med that we saw in Sailing Yacht, but we didn't have this really big, pretty intense and serious drama in Sailing Yacht that we have, at least not during the show, that we had this. So, so yeah, it's sort of like when Lexi left and we were kind of left with the comedy, which is great. It still wasn't the same. That's true. Yeah. And I think we lost a little bit of the comedy because of Lloyd's panic attack, David's injury, and Malia getting reamed a little bit for that. Mm -hmm. Everybody got really serious for a couple of episodes, and it changed the tone completely. We didn't even have the comedy to fall back on anymore. It was just watching people do their job every day, but we've seen them do their jobs for multiple seasons and multiple franchises. So there was nothing to bite into, I guess. We see the finale episode and although it looked as though the guests were fairly demanding, I don't know that it was really above and beyond what the normal guest load is. It just seemed that way maybe because they were down a stew. So it seemed like more running around than usual because of that. Although I don't think that anything that the guests were asking for was ridiculous or out of the realm of the normal things that they would be doing to take care of guests on a trip. 
Gina, you mentioned to us before we started this that you have just recently interviewed one of those charter guests. Yeah, yeah. I reached out to Jamel Hill, who we all loved from season seven in the big old penis cake. That was epic. So the fact that she came back after her bachelorette party for her one year anniversary was intriguing to me. So we did chat and I asked her about the staff because they were down not just a stew, but a deckhand. So she said when they arrived, she could tell, I think she used the word, it looked a little thin, the lineup. Mm-hmm. And then when Lloyd appeared, she was like, oh, well, look, here, here's another person. So yes, there were some parts where she could tell they were really trying to race to keep up with just regular getting drinks and food and stuff like that. That's for sure. I didn't find them demanding at all, to be honest. They kept using the word demanding. I didn't think that they were demanding guests. I thought they were some of the most lighthearted, fun guests that we've seen all season. Yeah. And I enjoyed them more than pretty much anybody. I enjoyed Roy Orbison Jr., but we were talking a couple of weeks ago that we couldn't even remember a lot of the guests because everything's been so crew focused mm-hmm. and they've really been churning out the episodes and shortening what we see of the charter. Mm-hmm. So I was enjoying them. I didn't think they were asking for anything ridiculous. I would be annoyed if I was in the hot tub and had to (laughs) crawl all over the ship to find somebody to give me a drink that would honk me off too. So I thought they were really amicable and fun and lighthearted. Well, during the finale too, we see them do somewhat of a little montage where the guests are saying, hey, can we have some gummy bears? Hey, can we have some chips in this? It was almost like bing, 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 one thing right after the other. But I'm sure that those were more spaced out than what they showed. Especially since they were up till four in the morning. Right, right, right. But it seemed like there was a montage that they put together to seem like it was more hectic maybe than it was. I don't know. I get what you're saying. It could have been that hectic that they were all asking for different things at the same time, but it just seemed like one right after the other when you watched it. So yeah. And what else did you glean for information from our charter guests? (laughs) Well, they were just wonderful. And like you were saying, they were just a fun group. They had a great time with each other. She says they still like have a little group chat and they still talk about it and thought it was fun. She said, yep, they were up till 4.35 in the morning. And there was at one point where they were really hungry. It was late at night and they just felt themselves to the galley. They just went in there. Nobody was around. (laughs) So I think Jamel told me at one point, Katie told them that Matthew had gone to bed, but I guess that wasn't true. So she said they were a little annoyed because, you know, you're on this yacht, you're paying all this money. And so she said Matthew did make it up to them the next night and he had snacks and everything like that. Oh, that's good tea. I like that because I was honestly wondering about that because it really annoyed me that he said, tell him I'm in bed already. And Katie had to go hunting around for chips and everything like that. I'm glad he got caught. Good. She definitely knew and and she definitely had an opinion since she did Thailand and she did this, which chef she preferred. Ooh. Yes, yes. And in all honesty, she said she preferred Kevin. Really? Mr. Dobson. Mr. Dobson, yes. She she laughed about how she missed the cake, but she just said he was firing all cylinders. No shade towards Matthew, she said. She said he really tried. And actually, she said that she and her friends really got along great with Matthew. They thought he was awesome because he's such a big sports fan. Mm-hmm. So they all had some great conversations and a lot of fun, but she just said that Kevin consistently delivered top-notch food. So 
met their expectations. Yeah. Good scoop, Gina. Gosh, we love you. <laughs> <laughs> Have you had the chance, Gina, to interview anybody else from this season so far? Oh, yes. Just about everybody. I didn't get a chance to talk to Courtney, which I would have loved to. She was fun. And of course, I don't think Lexi did press. <laughs> Unless Instagram counts as press now. Yeah, no, I didn't speak to her, but I spoke to the whole deck team. I spoke to Katie, Malia, Matthew, and the deck team. They're exactly as you see. And I will say, Jamel said the same thing about this entire crew. She could tell they were bonded. Versus season seven, she said the vibe was negative. She could tell something bad had happened. Whereas this one, even though they were working with less people, she said everybody was super sweet. They all did get along and she felt the genuine love. That's cool. Yeah. It's nice to set a good vibe. And yeah, I can only imagine what the season seven vibes were because that was intense. Yeah. It was dark. Yeah. Well, and that's interesting that even in a short period of time that the guests are actually there, that they notice something like that too. I mean, I guess if you're constantly interacting with people and you're seeing them interacting with each other, it might be more transparent that way, but you don't see a ton of during the day interactions between interior and exterior crew, right? Exterior is usually working with the toys or moving the boat or cleaning things. And then you see the interior mostly flipping rooms and taking care of the guests. So you don't necessarily see a lot of that interaction, but there must have been enough of that for them to notice. And that's interesting. With them being down one in both departments and them having to do crossover because Courtney, we saw in the most recent episode, was helping the exterior and Malia and David have been helping on the interior. So I'm sure they would have seen a little bit more of it. Yeah. Good point. Very good point. So Gina, looking forward to this next season of Below Deck, we know that Lee isn't there for the very beginning of this season. We don't know how long that lasts, but we know that he does make a reappearance at some point. And I feel like there is a lot of anticipation around this new season. I think coming off the tails of this season of Below Deck Med, it had a lot to live up to. I can't say that it did based on what we saw with Sailing Season 2. I feel like it's really hard to compete with that. Yeah. And maybe it was a good thing that we had a break in between OG season and sailing season with this. Do we think that Peacock messed with the numbers? Do we think that the way that they changed things around a little bit affected the way that their viewership was? Or do you think it was more non-pandemic movement that changed the way that the numbers were this season? I think it's probably both, right? I mean, I think it is hard because we aren't getting those peacock numbers all we're getting are the bravo numbers so it is hard to really determine but yeah when you're stuck in the house like we all were last year it was very gripping and the storyline was super gripping but i still think people are into it they're hooked i think they were hooked in this season as well i do think they did fall in love with the crew i mean it's hard not to (laughs) Completely. So, but yeah, I mean, last season was just insane. So it's so hard to compare. To be honest, this season for the first, and I've talked about this before, the first 10 or 12 episodes, I was thrilled with the Kumbaya. I really think they needed a positive season coming off of last Mm -hmm. season. I think they needed something like this. Even it being a shortened season, it just lasted a little too long. 
I get that the Lexi Matt thing wasn't positive, but it was drama that seemed to be handled in the proper way to where the audience was on production side or Sandy's side or whoever's unlike last year where everybody was up in arms. So I think they needed this as a palate cleanser and hopefully then going into next season, we know that Sandy's back and Courtney and Z. So I think we might see another boost next year with people who are finally, okay, I'm letting that go. It doesn't appear we haven't heard. I don't know if you have any tea. We haven't seen any pictures of Malia there. So maybe that'll be enough to give people their penance or whatever they're expecting from Bravo. Their pound of flesh. Yeah, there you go. That's even better. We also have these other shows too. That's the thing. We have Australia and then we have the Norway. You know, there's so many below decks and you know, people have very short memories, you know, at this point. True. It'll seem like decades ago by the time next season rolls around. So, right. I'm looking so forward to adventure series. I haven't heard a whole lot about Australia, the down under series. Mm -hmm. So I'm not as amped for that Mm -hmm. one, but I do have a little bit of a peek into adventure series and I'm excited about that coming up. So I know a couple of people that are on that season. So that's how I know. (laughs) Why do I have to always tell everybody that I don't know anything on my own? (laughs) It's okay. (laughs) I'm excited too. I'm really stoked for this. I'm excited because it's a clean slate. And I think that for a show like this, that's what's needed in order to be able to distance itself from, you know, like Captain Sean said in our recent interview with him, he's the captain that is in place of Lee until Lee makes his return on this upcoming season. He said, no one is going to be Lee. I'm not trying to be Lee. He's part of the reason why this show is successful. I just want to be the best version of myself. So I'm not trying to reinvent the wheel here. I'm a different kind of wheel. And I think that's what we're going to see with adventure series as well, not trying to conform. And I know that the captain on the adventure series didn't watch the show either. Same as Sean, didn't want to go in with preconceptions. So on purpose, just said, you know what, I'm not, I don't want to follow the formula. I want to do this on my own and be me and not try to be what I think they want me to be. And I am excited about that because I think it's going to go really well. Yeah. And this is what people are craving now. I think we want to see people at work rather than at dinner or at a party, because that's not really what we can generally do as a society. So I think that the, and the travel is something else we generally can't do as a society. So this definitely gives us a little bit of that, that we might be craving. So, yeah. What did you think about them not having, not showing the excursions this year? You've talked to a lot of people Did you feel like there was reasoning behind that or that they were just going to focus on the crew and not where they were because of COVID and they didn't want people to be mad? No, there weren't. I mean, when I talked to Jamel today, she said they just did that picnic. Really? Like there weren't. Yeah. I mean, I think they really stuck, you know, because of course, God forbid somebody gets COVID, you shut down your season. So I think they really didn't have excursions and, you know, and that was it. So Well, maybe by the end they didn't because Rory had told us all these cool places that Mm. they had gone to, like caves and some, was it a fort, Adrian? Yeah. That was from one of the wars that they toured. 
And huh. so we weren't really sure. He was the only one we talked to that had those type of excursions. So we didn't know if they weren't having them or if they were having them and not showing them or what. But he was also was. there for five or six days True. where I don't know how long this last charter was, but it seemed like it was just as brief as most of the rest of them, like only two or three days, right? Right. So how much time, if they're cruising from place to place, how much time are they really going to have to do excursions? Yeah, she had three days and one of them was rainy, but they had, you know, they were so cool. She was like, oh, we had games and stuff. And so it was no problem. But she said they just had that picnic and that was it. And then of course, afterwards they went and toured Croatia on their own. Did she mention at all how long that they were sequestered? I believe it was a week. And I think Mm -hmm. she said it was pretty strict. Like they were locked in. Yeah. Um, but again, they were a really fun group. So they were having fun. So it was okay. We heard from Haley and Danielle that they were in for a week too. And Danielle was not as happy. She said that she tried to break out a couple times. Oh <laughs> <laughs> not surprising somehow. Yes. yes, yes. But it was interesting. Oh, there's another little tidbit. You know, there's the moment where Z's playing golf with them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, these are real sports people. Right. She says he is great. Yeah said he played that really sly because she was like oh I'll you know he was like I'll play a little golf and she said they were all shocked yeah and totally impressed with his golf skills well then they go to the talent show and they show him (laughs) bouncing the ball on the golf club and I'm like what a hustler you are dude (laughs) very cool yeah yeah Well, I think that this season, like Jen said, I hope it's a palate cleanser for what we're in for for next season. I'm glad to know that they're bringing Z and Courtney back. I think that's a plus because I enjoyed both of them very much. I'd like to see Katie back with a full team, a full team that's not combative to see what her management style is (laughs) like. But I don't know that we're going to get that opportunity, unfortunately, because I feel like she was actually pretty good. She had a little bit of self-doubt that nod at her a couple of times, and we see her get really regretful in this last episode, just beating her head against a wall going, why did I turn that help down? Why did I turn that help down? But at the time that she did it, she seemed like she had justification for it. So again, I feel like I would really like to see her leadership style with a team that actually wants to be there, you know? Yeah. That was one good thing I thought came out of the finale was her talking to Sandy when they all say their goodbyes. She really did appreciate Sandy pushing her out of her comfort zone and showing her that you can't always worry about what somebody's going to think or feel about a decision you make when you're in a leadership role. And that Sandy helped her realize that she needed a better balance in that area. So that was something good that came out of the finale anyway. <laughs> the goodbye seemed really fast. Yeah, they did. Did David even have one? I don't even remember him having one. They were all like saying goodbye to Sandy, but it was really fast. Yeah. Like usually there's the whole thing like, oh, and I'm going to go do this. And it was like, okay, bye. You know. <laughs> so I did think it was cool. And for me to give props to Malia is like, I don't know, a purple unicorn. So I did think it was cool that she got him the crossing job asked Martin if he would bring him on to that. I thought that was very cool of her. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Oh, because who wants to get rid of Lloyd for any reason? Nobody. Not I, said the duck. I (laughs) adore him. I would love to see him back too. I don't know if we're going to get to, but I would really have most anybody. Okay, let's, I'll rephrase that. I would have any of the guys from the deck crew and I would have Katie and Courtney back. 
So that's kind of most anybody, but there are a couple omissions there that are glaring. Gina, I was talking to Jen earlier and I was just saying, I wonder if this insecurity that we see in Matt, if that has been happening the entire season and we just didn't see it because there was so much more action in other places, or if this is something that because there's no action in any other place, he has enough time to reflect on the fact that he's not happy with himself. Both of us were cringing watching the finale and him, his own chatter to himself and everybody else. It was difficult to watch, I think. It gave me secondhand anxiety, for sure. (laughs) When you were interviewing him, did you get a sense that he was different than how he was on the show? Yeah, I mean, he was super sweet. I think he is definitely an artist. And as you guys know, and you, especially you, Adrian, as a chef, you're producing art and it's like you're putting yourself out there and as a writer hearing you know oh you suckers you know I mean at this point I'm like ah you know but it's still Mm -hmm. it's different than if you're doing a different type of job so I feel it I just think at some point after a while he's going to start becoming getting that grumpy chef hopefully and just be like ah get out of the kitchen instead of (laughs) get off my lawn (laughs) or some thicker skin even yeah yeah yeah. because he is a great chef he is super talented it it just stinks when you you know you are putting yourself out there so I can understand how he would feel vulnerable but hopefully eventually he'll get there (laughs) well and I know we haven't ever talked about this on the podcast Jen initially when I was up for below deck season one I was talking to them about being the chef on the show since that's my real job and I was a little bit disappointed that we ended up with a bigger boat and they decided to go with a male chef in retrospect I'm actually extremely grateful that that did not happen because I didn't have the same level of confidence in my cooking ability as I do now. And as much as I see the chefs on the show just getting decimated sometimes, and deservedly so in certain cases like the nachos, I see the way that social media, because food is something everybody is an authority in, everybody eats. Not everybody knows how to throw a dock line. Not everybody knows how to dock a massive boat. So it's hard to criticize those positions sometimes, even though people do. It's very easy to be opinionated about a meal when you see it, even though you're not tasting it. And I'm grateful for the fact that that did not happen to me because I think at the time, I probably would have been more of a Matthew. And I would have allowed my feelings to get a lot more hurt because I didn't have, that was 11, 12 years ago. I didn't have the level of confidence that I do now in what I'm doing. Now would be a different story for me. But then I would not have done so well. That's for sure. Not that my cooking wouldn't have been up to par, but I don't think my self-esteem would have been there. Yeah. Well, for the record, I would have totally eaten those nachos. Just to get to look at Kiko for the rest of the trip, I would have eaten the daggone nachos. I wouldn't have eaten Mila's, but I would have eaten Kiko's, okay? (laughs) I love Kiko. But yeah, you guys, I'm sure you saw Anastasia Mm -hmm. when she was put in that position. And I had talked to her months later and she said it was so stressful and she just couldn't take it anymore. And yeah, she was, your cooking's great, but my God, when you're in that level, it's, it's insane, so... It's a lot of pressure. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. We just had my daughter on last week and she was actually impressed by Anastasia. She said she knew she didn't have the training to do it, but she thought she handled herself well. So, and my daughter's a chef too. So I agree with you. I think Anastasia for the position she thought she was hiring on to do and then getting thrown into that fire, she really handled herself well, in my opinion. I agree with that. For sure. Yeah. And she ended up being a yacht chef after that. So. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. I knew she was doing the online training with Hannah, but I didn't know about the Yacht Chef part. Yeah, she was on a boat with Jamie, who is a female deckhand, who ended up dating Chandler, actually. Oh, I remember them. And she was on a boat with, actually, Bruce, who was not only my roommate at the time, but in Fort Lauderdale, but he also was the officiant of my wedding. So... He was running a boat and he had Jamie on board as the stew and he brought on Anastasia as a chef as well. You just live like the craziest life. I swear to heck. (laughs) (laughs) I know half of the people in your life from TV and that's just freaky to me. (laughs) So Gina, is there any get that you haven't been able to get yet from below deck? From anywhere, is there a dream get for you as a writer that you just, I really want this story? Sure. Brad Pitt and George Clooney. I'll take that. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, you know, and that's the wonderful thing. Sometimes I never know who I'm going to talk to. I recently chatted with one of the nicest people in the world, Shaquille O'Neal. Oh, I love him. The funniest, nice. I just laugh the whole time I'm on with him. But yeah, it's always an adventure. Oh, you know who I'd like to talk to is Andy. Andy Cohen. Really? <laughs> of course. Yeah. <laughs> Almost got there. Almost got there. I went to watch What Happens Live a couple years ago, but Did not you? quite. I'll get there. I'll get there. You'd be so much nicer than I would. He would not take my call. <laughs> well, we'll see if I ever get there. But Fingers yeah, crossed. Maybe we could. We're putting it out in the universe. Yep. <laughs> universe. Yeah. <laughs> yes. 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 Get so. Gina an interview with Andy. Andy. I love that. Yes. Yes, but the below deck people are great. I don't think I've ever talked to anybody that I got off the phone with and was like, eh, what was that? Like everybody is fun and curious and adventuresome. So I, I think that's part of the reason why we love the show. I agree. They do a good job casting the show, I think. I completely agree with you. We appreciate you doing this so much. We always look forward to your articles and showbiz cheat sheet. I actually have on my, the little bookmarks that old people use because we can't use computers. (laughs) There's a Gina Ragusa bookmark on my computer, just so you know. (laughs) I actually have Google alerts set up. So I know when stuff happens. I don't know how to do that. You'll have to teach me that one day. (laughs) I can teach you. I'm like the old lady in the commercial where it's, that's not how this works. That's not how any of this works. (laughs) Unfriend people by taking their pictures off my wall. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Well, I'm thrilled you guys did this podcast. It's a blast to listen to, especially it's always like these unexpected guests. Like I know you had Captain Sean on and you had Roy Orbison, you know, and just some of the frank and fresh takes on the show. Always fun to stop by and and listen. So we appreciate you doing that. That's amazing. We didn't think we figured we were kind of going to be talking to ourselves just like we do on (laughs) Tuesdays, (laughs) but it's no, this has been a lot of fun. I think. It's perfect that 
you are our last interview of the season. We'll definitely have you on in the future because we have lots more seasons to go. But I think it's kind of poetic in a way because we were all talking before the season even started about whether anybody was going to watch it. I feel like looking at it from the beginning of the season, concerned about whether our podcast was even going to be relevant because we weren't sure if enough people would watch the show itself to care what we were talking about. I'm pleasantly surprised. I feel like the engagement hasn't been quite as high as past seasons. Obviously, last season of Below Deck Med really being a blockbuster for them. And it hasn't rivaled that, but I've been pleasantly surprised with the amount of engagement we have had. So I am grateful, Gina, for all of your help and all of your interviews that are fascinating. And again, your writing style, I find to be one of my favorites between you and Rochelle. I think you both do an amazing job of covering Below Deck and I think it's awesome. And I'm grateful that we had the opportunity to have you. Usually at the end of our interview sessions, we ask the guests if there's any questions that they have for me as it pertains to filming, as it pertains to yachting in general, but I'm not sure. I mean, if you have any questions, fire away, but I feel like you get most of your questions answered. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, knowing what you know now, would you go back? Would I go back and do season one or would I go back and do a different season now? Because those are yeah. two different questions. If somebody were to say, hey, Trina, be the, the chief stew of Below Deck season 10. Mm, no. Okay. No, Why? I would not. Would you go back as a chef though? I'm curious. Possibly. Now. I mean, I would entertain the thought. I'm much enjoying the view from the sidelines at this point, to be honest with you. If filming then is anything like what filming is like now, I'm not sure that my 38-year-old body could handle the stress of it. Yeah. Because it was really awful for me. If I was working for somebody like Sean, if I was working for somebody like- That's what I was thinking. I was doing my little perfect scenario in my head and I was having Sean as captain and you as the chef and- Or the captain that's going to be on the adventure series. I would work with him in a heartbeat. Well, thank you again so much, Gina. We really appreciate all of your support and encouragement this season. We love reading your articles. We love the tea that you bring and you add another dimension to the series. Everybody be sure to check her out on Cheat Sheet. Do you want to give your details of where they can find you on social media, Gina? Yeah, sure. I'm on Twitter and Instagram, Gina Cat R is my handle. And then you can just check out Showbiz Cheat Sheet on Twitter and Instagram. Awesome. Well, thank you again so much. We're looking forward to Below Deck OG coming back and hopefully we'll get to talk to you again then. But until then, thank you everybody for listening. This is our final interview for Below Deck Med. Thank you for a wonderful season. We appreciate all of you who listened and interacted with us. And we'll catch you for the new one when it comes up on the 25th. Take care. Bye. Thanks, Gina. Thanks. Special thanks to our friends who helped us create Gangplank Report. Down below music and lyrics by Angel Tweeter Frail and Terry Abbott. Performed by Lorelei of Florida. Production assistance by Michael Castaneda. Super fan intro by Blind Lawrence. Cast off me, hearties.